Today I want to ramble about revenge. I want to talk about revenge and I want you to know that it's better to be loving and forgiving. Uh, that's more satisfying than revenge. Uh, we get angry and we do some pretty crazy things and that's what I want to talk about in the time that we have today. Some people just get us so angry that we want to cause them to feel some of the pain and problems they have caused us. So there is a anger danger that uh, we can cause self-inflicted harm with our outbursts with uh, what we do with our anger look Watch at the it. screen anger danger we're fuming mad we're just so upset we don't know what we're going to do we scream at the top of our lungs we stomp up and down we kick things we knock things over we tear stuff up we scream we jump we fall through the floor we end up hurting ourselves we end up in a place we didn't want to be uh, we look around Nobody knows why we're so mad. Nobody even knows that we're mad. We've done nothing to help make the situation better. So, you know, uh, we get so mad, we get so upset that we might even stay awake at night planning on what we're going to do to get our revenge. It may rob us of sleep. We may get sick because we're so angry and we want revenge so bad. Or we may be overcome by rage and make some really bad choices. Uh, let me share this story with you this experience uh, years ago i worked with a guy who was riding a motorcycle without a license and he was pulled over by the police so the officer gave him a warning and told him to call somebody to help him get his bike off the street after the police officer was out of sight my friend resumed riding his motorcycle the officer saw him riding his motorcycle again uh, pulled him over gave him a ticket and had a tow truck impound his bike so that night, my angry friend saw the tow truck driver that was called to haul away his motorcycle at a bar, and in a fit of rage, or maybe a few too many beers, uh, my friend slashed all the tires on the tow truck. It wasn't long until the police found him and took him to jail, and when he got out, he had to buy new tires, pay fines, and report to a probation officer for the next year. So, I mean, overall, if he would have handled it differently, he could have come out ahead. Uh, I mean, it would have worked out better for everyone if instead of getting revenge by violently slashing the tow truck tires and getting arrested, that he might have found the tow truck driver and said, I am so mad at you for towing away my motorcycle that I just bought you new tires for your tow truck. And then he could walk away. He would have avoided fines, a police record, court fees, probation, uh, because he ended up paying for the tires either way. So, or better yet, he could have resisted the overwhelming desire to get revenge we really do need to control our anger. Proverbs 29.22 says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. And when we get upset, we can do all sorts of things that we wouldn't expect that we would do. We can be irrational. We can be angry. We can cause damage. We can say hurtful things. We can do things, violent things, that we wouldn't expect when we don't control our emotions, when we don't control our anger, when we don't resist getting revenge. The Bible says that Job was a very righteous man. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. And then at the end of the book of Job, in Job's last declaration of his innocence, he says, Job chapter 31, verses 29 through 30, Job says, Have I ever rejoiced when disaster struck my enemies or become excited when harm came their way? No, I have never sinned by cursing anyone or by asking for revenge. Can we say that? 
Can we say that we have never asked for revenge, plotted revenge, thought about revenge, or taken revenge on somebody? Maybe you heard about the fellow who was told by his physician, yes, indeed, you do have rabies. And upon hearing this, the patient immediately pulled out a pad and pencil and began to write. Thinking the man was making out his will, the doctor said, listen, this doesn't mean you're going to die. There's a cure for rabies. I know that, said the man. I'm just making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. Wow, that's crazy and angry. But again, Job, chapter 31, verse 30, Job says, No, I have never sinned by cursing anyone or by asking for revenge. Before I ramble on about revenge, I just want to make this disclaimer. Uh, Someone may have really hurt you, and you may need to see a therapist, make a police report, or hire an attorney. Uh, Those things are not necessarily revenge. Um, Revenge, definition for revenge, is an action of inflicting harm or damage on someone else in retaliation for harm or damage inflicted on you. Sometimes revenge is blatant and everyone knows what you did to settle the score. And other times it is hidden and it is possible that only God knows your every thought and motive of your heart and that only He can see what you did and why you did it. Um, An example of uh, hidden revenge is uh, while checking his bags at the airport, a man became indignant with the employee who handled the luggage. For several minutes, he belittled the young man and criticized his every move. Surprisingly, the curbside porter didn't seem troubled by this man's verbal abuse. After the angry man entered the airport, a woman approached the luggage handler and asked, how do you put up with such injustice? The young man said, it's easy. That guy's going to New York, but I'm sending his bags to Brazil. Oh, it's just a mistake, an innocent mistake. Or was it vengeance? Was it revenge? Uh, there are so many times where we want to get revenge on people. And um, sometimes it works against us. Sometimes we lose our jobs. Sometimes we lose opportunities. Uh, sometimes we lose respect. Sometimes it just doesn't work for us. And it might feel better for a moment, but long term, it probably doesn't work for us the way that we think. Matter of fact, the Bible in the book of James, uh, James calls us as Christians to a higher standard. In James chapter 1, verse 19, he writes, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We need to be careful in the way we handle our emotions. We need to be careful in the way we respond to things. We need to be careful because people are watching us, especially when we've been running around telling people that we're Christ followers and they should become Christ followers too. When we say that we are trying to live out Christian values and then we do foolish things with anger, when we do foolish things um, in the way we treat others, uh, it may cause people to wonder about our faith, to wonder about the Christ life that we say We have Jesus called us to a higher standard, a higher standard that sometimes is really hard um, to put into practice. But the more we go and grow in Christ, the more the Holy Spirit works through us, the more we are able to endure and obey. 
In Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31, Jesus reminds us of what the greatest commandment is, and that's to love God and to love others. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate, and he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen to Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So we're called to love God, and we are called to love others. Here is a reminder of what love is. Love is patient. Like not honking the horn when you're already 11 minutes late. Love is kind. It's doing all the chores so she can wake up to a clean house. It does not envy. Being truly joyful when your friend gets the promotion, even if you didn't. It does not boast. Love does not remind your kid of his 20-game losing streak. It is not proud. How about we apologize more often? It is not rude. And let's not value a like over someone's feelings. It is not selfish. Love shares that last cookie. It is not easily angered. It breathes when it wants to scream. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not bring up the past, even though right now it'll be really convenient and totally win me this argument. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't get excited when people get destroyed online. It always protects. Love always stands guard. Always trusts. Always leans into the promises. Always hopes. Always sees what's possible. Always perseveres. Always gets up one more time. Love never fails. And it's always worth it. So the video clip we just watched was a great summary of what we've been looking at in this series on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And again, uh, to point out uh, the things that we're to do in love. So if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6, and instead of looking at it through the lens of love, to look at it through the lens of anger and revenge, uh, it says something totally different. So it says love is patient and kind, but we know that anger and revenge is not patient and often not kind. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud. Well, often anger and vengeance are boastful, are proud, often caused by jealousy, and definitely rude. Um, anger and vengeance demand its own way, is irritable, does keep record of wrong, it does rejoice about injustice, and um, who knows if it rejoices whenever the truth wins out, maybe when the truth is exposed and people get their way. And if vengeance is due, God says we are to leave that to him to deal with. Mishandling your anger towards others can often harm you more than anyone else. So act in love and put aside anger and hate. So Philip Yancey said, Vengeance is a passion to get even. It is a hot desire to give back as much pain as someone gives you. The problem with revenge is that it never gets what it wants. It never evens the score. Fairness never comes. The chain reaction set off by every act of vengeance always takes its unhindered course. It ties both the injured and the injurer to an escalator of pain. Both are stuck on the escalator as long as parity is demanded, and the escalator never stops, never lets anyone off. 
I mean, can you imagine being in a war of revenge where somebody does something to you and it makes you angry, so you try to get revenge on them and then you made them angry and they try to get revenge on you and it just keeps going from one thing to another thing where you keep damaging and hurting each other, maybe destroying each other's reputation or business or education or Christian testimony. Uh, I don't think that revenge is as satisfying as we think it will be. Uh, I think in the moment we think that it's just going to make us feel so much better when we show that person. Um, now, again, uh, there's self-defense, there's lawyers, there's all sorts of other things to bring into this. But overall, uh, not hand- handling your anger and uh, giving in to revenge uh, can cause destruction, and it's not what Christ wants for us. You know, sometimes we feel our actions aren't really revenge, they're more of a form of justice. Sometimes that anger is brought out more easily when we're behind the wheel of our car or truck. I think many people end up in court thinking or saying, I have no idea what came over me and filled me with the road rage that brought me here to this courtroom today. A truck driver stopped at a truck stop and ordered a cheeseburger. As he was ready to eat, a motorcycle gang pulled up and one of the gang members insulted him and took and ate his cheeseburger. The truck driver slowly walked out of the truck stop and a gang member said to the waitress, he's not not much of a man, is he? And she said, he's not much of a driver either. He just backed his 18-wheeler over six motorcycles. Proverbs 20 verse 22 says, don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. Ray Stedman tells this old story that makes a good point for us today. So there were some guys stationed in Korea during the Korean War, and while there, they hired a local boy to cook and clean for them. So being a bunch of pranksters, they soon took advantage of the boy being so naive. Um, They'd smear Vaseline on the stove handle so that when he turned the stove on in the morning, he'd get grease all over his hands. They put a bunch of water buckets on the top of the door so that when he opened the door, he got doused in water. Uh, One time they even nailed his shoes to the floor during the night. But day after day, uh, this poor young guy uh, took the brunt of their practical jokes without saying anything. No blame, no self-pity, no temper tantrums. Finally, the men felt guilty about what they were doing. So they sat down with the young young Korean boy and said, look, We know these pranks aren't funny anymore, and we're sorry. We're never going to take advantage of you again. It seemed too good to be true to the houseboy. No more sticky on stove? He asked. Nope. No more water on door? Nope. No more nail shoes to floor? Nope, never again. Okay, the boy said with a smile. No more spit in soup. (laughs) Ha, wow. If you're mistreating people, you have no idea what they're doing to get back to you. But think about the long-term effects of revenge. If you sabotage your coworker's career, will his children end up going hungry? If people know you have conspired to shame or hurt someone else, will they think you're a godly, humble, and honorable Christ follower? We all get an average of 70 years of life on this earth. Are you sure you want to kill any hopes of that future relationship? I'm always amazed at how people are connected to each other. When Facebook shows friends we have in common, it's like, how does my neighbor know my friend from a place I lived 40 years ago that's over a thousand miles away from here? It's amazing uh, how we're interconnected and how people know other people or meet people that that we know. But again, um, Paul, through the inspiration, uh, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, 
taught us that we are supposed to live uh, in a way that doesn't even really make sense to the normal person, to live in a way that treats our enemies better than they deserve, that is um, a godly way to live. Romans 12, verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I mean, really, Paul was held as a prisoner, and he could have treated the guards uh people poorly, but instead he was kind to them and he had many opportunities to share the good news of Jesus and hope of eternal life with them uh, as he was their prisoner. And many times we are in a bad situation, but God can use it for good. And like I said in the disclaimer, if you're in a bad situation, maybe you need to get out, maybe you need to get help, maybe you need to get someone to come alongside of you and help you. So this isn't saying that you need to get uh, run over and taken, taken advantage of in every way, but when you have an opportunity to choose and how you're going to respond, uh, respond to choose to do and to treat uh, your enemy or that person that has offended you or made you upset better than they deserve. Be careful because you reap what you sow. So many things in life, you reap what you sow. Whatever your intentions were, it might come back to get you. Several years ago, after helping invent radar, like car radar, like police speed trap radar, Sir Robert Watson Watt was caught in a radar trap and arrested for speeding. And he wrote this poem. Pity Sir Robert Watson Watt, strange target of his radar plot, and this with others I could mention, a victim of his own invention. So again, Jesus had really high standards on how he wanted his followers to behave. At first, it doesn't seem like a great way to live, but since Jesus came to seek and to save people, uh, lost people, and he knows that unsaved people aren't necessarily going to be living by his teachings, living the Christian life, he wants us to patiently endure some of the things that are not fair. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, he taught, You have heard that the law says, The punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's in the Old Testament. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Again, if you're hurting right now, this might be hard to swallow, but it's worth pondering. Sometimes it takes a while to choose to do something more gracious than anyone deserves. Wesley taught about prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. And even if we know about those forms of grace that Wesley emphasized, I think that we still have a hard time understanding what grace really is. Uh, This person writes, I once heard it explained this way. Suppose that someone breaks into your home. In the course of a robbery, that person kills your child. If you hunt them down yourself and kill them, that's vengeance. If you allow the police to do their jobs and the person is apprehended and punished, that's justice. 
If you take them into your home and adopt them as your son or daughter, that's grace. You know, God treats us better than we deserve. Many of us have done things that have brought shame to Christ, uh, sin that separated us from God. But through the grace of our Lord Jesus who died on the cross for sin, so that all who place their hope and faith and trust in him may be saved, um, he shows us grace. The Bible actually says that in, in Psalm 103 that he remembers our sins no more as far as the east is from the west and that we can be saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John 1, John 1 12 says, To as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that today? Would you receive Jesus' forgiveness and grace for whatever you've done in the past, for the sin in your life so that you can be forgiven? Uh, if you've already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just be reminded and remember of all those people that aren't acting the way they should, aren't living the way they should, aren't doing the things they should, maybe even mistreating you that need to be saved? The Bible says when you come to Christ, you become a new creation. Uh, the Bible says that you are adopted as a child of God, assured heaven that you receive the Holy Spirit and can start to grow in the Christian life. You get at least one spiritual gift and you start growing in the fruits of the Spirit. So many things happen when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The way I did it was talking to the Lord, praying. Praying is talking to the Lord and I prayed, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I know that you died on the cross to pay for sin. I want you to apply that to my account. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you and live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did that, let us know so we can send you resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. The Apostle Peter reminds us of how Jesus lived among us as an example of uh, the teaching he has given us. And here's what Peter writes. 1 Peter 2, 19. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone, and he does not retaliate when he was in, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. You once, once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Jesus was the ultimate example of someone who endured um, all sorts of things that he could have easily taken revenge. He could have easily gotten even. He could have easily set things right. He could have destroyed people and made all sorts of things change, but he was focused on the goal, the salvation of our souls. You know, what's really interesting about this too, is that right after Peter teaches on um, that passage that we just read, then he starts talking about how husbands and wives need to learn to get along, how they need to honor each other and respect each other. And it's interesting to me that I found so many illustrations uh, on revenge that were tied to married relationships. I found so many married people getting revenge illustrations. Um, here's a couple. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche shared this one. 
There was a guy who could not get along with his wife. And on top of that, he couldn't get along with his mother-in-law. In frustration, one day, he finally took a long walk. As he was about to return home, he got to the street corner and saw a hearse, that's they carry people in caskets, pull up to the stop sign. It had a big dog in it. Behind that was another hearse. And then behind the second hearse, about 50 men were walking. He was seized with curiosity and walked up to the first hearse, knocked on the glass, and a guy inside rolled down his window and said, yes. So the man said, what is this? Well, in this casket is my wife. And in that casket, in the other hearse, is my mother-in-law. This big dog killed both of them. The man thought, he's like, hmm, can I borrow that dog? And the guy inside the hearse said, get in line. Nietzsche says revenge is the greatest instinct in the human race. All right, now let's take one from the woman's side. A despondent woman was walking along the beach when she saw a bottle in the sand. She picked it up and pulled out the cork. Whoosh, a big puff of smoke appeared. You have released me from my prison, the genie told her. To show my thanks, I grant you three wishes, but take care, for with each wish your mate will receive double whatever you request. Why? the woman asked. That bum left me for another woman. That is how it is written, replied the genie. The woman shrugged and then asked for a million dollars. There was a flash of light and a million dollars that appeared at her feet. At the same instant, in a far-off place, her wayward husband looked down to see twice that amount at his feet. And your second wish, the genie asked. Genie, I want the world's most expensive diamond necklace. Another flash of light, and the woman was holding the precious treasure. And in that distant place, her husband was looking for a gem broker to buy his latest Bonanza. Jeannie, is it really true that my husband has two million dollars in more jewels than I do and that he gets twice what I wish for? The genie said it was indeed true. Okay, genie, I'm ready for my last wish, the woman said. And she said, scare me half to death. <laughs> All right. Let's watch this video clip about marriage. In the beginning, God created man. And from his rib bone, which is connected to his arm, uh, never mind. <laughs> from the rib bone, God created woman. Man saw her and said, how about them apples? Woman said, this apple? Then grabbed one from the tree and ate it. And crunch, just that fast, the honeymoon was over. So much for a first date. Dating's a walk in the park compared to marriage. While marriage does offer its walk through the park too, sometimes it seems more like a walk through a minefield. Ever since that bite into the apple, sin entered the world and man and woman, well, they've had a rib, a, a bone to pick with each other. You left the toilet seat up again. Well, you left me no room in the garage to park my car. Well, you leave the trash piling up until we can't even see the house. Have you seen the house? I thought your address was at the mall. I don't know. Is your address www.icantalktomywife because I'm online all the time.com? No, it's husband at making wife hashtag I'm not listening to you. Then listen to your socks because they're screaming to be picked up and put in the laundry. No, that's the baby crying for you to finally pick her up. Ah. <sighs> Love and marriage. Well, sort of. Marriage is a commitment to love, and love never gives up. Cares more for others than for self. Doesn't want what it doesn't have. 
Doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God, always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. If you have all these down, then you have love. If not, don't beat yourself up. Only God exhibits perfect love. And we need his perfect love in our imperfect world. A world that debates one man, one woman, all the while forgetting the biggest one of them all. One lifetime. Marriage is a commitment for a lifetime that is founded on vows like For better, for worse. In sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer. Till death do us part. So regardless if you've had a great start, slow start, or second start, your goal is to cross that finish line together. And when you feel hopeless, remember, you've got a great coach who was there from the beginning. He designed the course and is there every step of the way, waiting for you at the finish line. So stretch, lace them up, and start running together. We actually saw this, uh, in, I think in May. Um, so there's more teaching on marriage. Uh, if you listen to my past message on valuing biblical marriage and singleness on May 19th, 2019. So if you go to riverrock.buzzsprout.com, uh, you can find that message. Otherwise, you could probably search through the messages on all the other services like Spotify and Pandora and stuff because it's probably out there too. So again, that marriage uh, audio that you could listen to, uh, kind of focuses on how God, our Heavenly Father, has made His design for marriage between one man and one woman clear in scriptures. He gave that to us through the Holy Spirit, and it was even spoken directly about by Jesus, our Savior. So while our society, while our society seeks to redefine marriage, and everyone appears to want to do whatever seems right in their own eyes, Christians ignoring God's original design for marriage is not wise and will lead to great disappointment. Biblical singleness is even better than biblical marriage for those God has given that gift to, and we're supposed to honor both of those relationships. Christians are not to be conformed to the world, but transformed by renewing our minds by the word of the Lord so that we will know and follow his perfect will for our lives. So listen and be encouraged to value biblical marriage and singleness and to live and teach the conservative values rooted in your Christian faith. Also be encouraged to lovingly and patiently share what you believe with those who disagree. So that's what you could listen to in that other audio that I mentioned before from May 19th, 2019, uh, riverrock.buzzsprout.com. Otherwise at riverrockchurch.com, under the description for this message, I will try to leave a link. All right, again, so be careful how you treat others and how you choose to pray for them. Even when they don't treat you right, you may miss out on future opportunities. I mean, think about that. Okay, so you're 25 and you have gotten really mad at somebody and you have decided to uh, get your revenge and maybe you destroyed their life or brought them great shame or whatever and they know and they remember. Now you need to go through the rest of your days, 40 years or more, Um, with this person that doesn't like you, with this enemy, with this person that you've been separated from, with this person uh, whose life possibly you've destroyed. And that might destroy future opportunities for you. I mentioned how many people know each other, how people are so connected these days. What if 
you were looking for a job and that person that didn't like you because you got revenge out of anger uh, said, no, you don't want to hire that person. That person did this or that person has a bad temper or maybe they even said bad things about you. I don't know. But a cranky old lady was greatly annoyed because her neighbors forgot to ask her to go on their picnic. On the morning of the event, they suddenly realized their affront and sent a little boy to ask her to come along. It's too late now, she snapped. I've already prayed for rain. Now she doesn't get to go for a picnic. She has a bad attitude. Anyway, uh, I'm out of time, but our new series on authentic faith starts uh, next.